0: You're listening to Purple 3-Cap, your place for 100% biased, 100% Minnesotan discussion about our Purple. I'm Carl Bates, joined as always by Quinn Juergens and Nicole Perjapati. How's it going, Carl? Fabulous here to uh, celebrate another really, really, really solid Vikings win. And something that I've been trying to do this year, especially you know reflecting on last year, is uh, kind of really appreciate every victory one game at a time especially a game where you you really shut down one of the big hype trains in the NFL yeah i uh
1: i tend to agree there carl um the rams they uh they they were a hype train type of team but uh you you got to remember also the opponents that they've played haven't been of the highest quality That being said, they were putting up an average of 32 points a game, and we shut them down.
2: That was a high-flying offense with one of the best running backs in the game and a quarterback having a huge breakout season. And the fact is, the week before, we gave up 30 points to Washington, and then we gave up one long touchdown drive to this Rams team, And and we thought, here we go, but for the rest of the game they were just shut down.
1: I just I want to say Quinn that this Rams team only scored on their scripted plays. Once the game actually got into it, there's no chance that they were scoring again. And you know, th- that's always one thing when you watch football games to keep in mind, the first 10-15 plays are scripted. And they practice those over and over again. They do walkthroughs on those. So especially with an offense like the Rams and the and the coach, what's his name? Um, McVay. McVay. Yeah, with McVay, that offensive um, firepower for the Rams, them practicing those first 15 plays, you knew they were going to come out firing. But they were unable to go anywhere after that first drive, which was impressive.
2: And the thing that just amazes me is that they didn't get up and run the ball more often because with with a guy like Todd Gurley, they were barely handing him the ball after that first drive. It kind of worked on that first drive, and he had that about seven-yard touchdown run. But they were just being so focused on throwing to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods that they just kind of left him out to dry, and they never quite got back in rhythm.
1: But... Also, there were there were some significant plays that might have deterred them from running the ball. Um, there there were a lot of disruption by Linval Joseph ever. and Terrence Newman. And Did New- you yeah, see that third down
2: good. play uh, by Terrence Newman I mean, flying into the backfield, tripping up Todd Gurley for a three yard loss, forcing was- a punt. They couldn't Huge. go
1: inside the, or in between the tackles, and they couldn't go outside either. So I think they were a little dissuaded from from running because of the defensive effort, us being able to go sideline to sideline. And, you know, I think one of the biggest keys – I know Anthony Barr is, is spotlighted a lot on our defense, but Eric Kendricks is unbelievable getting to getting through holes, getting sideline to sideline. I mean, that Rams performance – defensively was was really really solid
0: well Quinn definitely picked up on something we were we're chatting a little bit before recording and uh, talking about we we're kind of wondering why Rams didn't try to run the ball and especially we were playing with you know high defensive back sets um, and so Ben Gideon this week only played 25% of our defensive snaps which I, I think is definitely down from from his usual snap counts Um, throughout the season. Why why do you guys think that was? Why do you think they kind of abandoned that? Well,
2: they were running generally three wide receiver sets. Mm -hmm. um, So you needed to have that third corner, whether it be Mackenzie Alexander or Terrence Newman Newman. in on every single down. So you kind of needed to play the uh, personnel that would be in there. But it seems like it just would have made more sense for the Rams to throw in a fullback or a blocking tight end and actually try and move around that offense a little more. But they
1: tried if, if memory serves, they tried late to switch up personnel. Um, I know Jared Goff took some shots deep to the tight. I don't remember the tight ends name for LA, Um, but they tried to throw some shots deep to him. And there was one play in particular where they had him matched up on Gideon and he over, overthrew it but for some reason they didn't really uh go after the uh they didn't really go after like a weakness maybe on our defense. They kept coming out in these three wide situations and we were able to definitely play to uh and, to that.
2: and one thing that was easy to see from inside the stadium and may not have been as easy to see on T V was Jared Goff looked lost. And what would, what would happen is he'd go up to the line and he would start trying to change the play. And that stadium just got loud. He'd just start putting his hands on his helmet, start looking down to the side, and then he would try and make a bunch of hand signals and the play clock would be going three, two, one. And they burned three out of their six timeouts in non-two-minute situations when they just had to prevent getting delay of game calls because mm-hmm. they were so lost out there and were not able to call a play. He let the crowd get to him, and that really hurt him in the long run.
1: Also, I mean, that's a huge testament to the home field advantage, right? Like, if we, looking forward, I know we're not supposed to, considering the Vikings. One game at a time, one right. game at a time. But if, if you... If you can say maybe the Vikings get one or two um, home uh, playoff games, I mean, that's going to be huge with a home field advantage like that. But um, the the crowd noise, I think you were at the stadium, right, Quinn? I was. But, you know, I was watching on TV and it was evident. Like, you could barely hear the announcers, you know, talk during the game. So mm-hmm. um, it was... It's pretty. It's pr- it's nice to have that back, you know that that Metrodome kind of that
2: feeling, Dennis Green, you know. Randy Moss home field advantage.
0: Okay, that that reminded me of something. That this is a little bit of a segment. We're gonna get back to talking more about the defense, but uh, you you met you brought up the broadcasting booth, um, and there was a, a certain member of the broadcasting booth that should not have been there. Yeah. Greg what Olson. The
1: <laughs> why were why was he allowed to like? Be a broadcaster when he's like on a team that we will be playing later. So in the season. <laughs>
2: it's it's not the first time something like that has happened, but it's the first time something like that has happened when a team goes on to play that broadcaster's team mm-hmm. in ten days, yeah. like the Vikings have the Panthers coming up.
0: I don't know. Uh, it's, it, it just well, is, and on top of this, I mean, he just he's been on IR. For Four weeks. Right. And now the week before he... I mean, he's literally started practicing this week. Yeah. yeah. And the, the 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 game before he starts practicing again, he's in the broadcasting booth. I mean, what's up yeah. with that?
1: I mean, that being said, I think the Vikings caught on pretty quickly too because Spielman didn't let him go to any meetings, didn't let him look at any game plan stuff. So he, he was pretty much confined to that booth. And, you know, anything Fox gave him, he had. But I... I'm sure he could have gotten that from tape study regardless. So it's a, it was a weird scenario, but I don't think we lost too much of a competitive advantage by having him up in the
2: booth. As far as our offense goes, it's not like our offense pulled out any big tricks in right. that game. There was nothing. Our offense just beat their defense. That That's all there was to it. And our defense just was rock solid. We didn't do anything particularly... Exactly. We just we had two sacks. We lined up and beat them. We had one forced fumble. That's exactly what it was. It's old school black and blue lining up and beating them. So let's let's talk a little bit more about the defense.
0: Um, Coming out of the bye last year, that's when things derailed and we really started struggling. And I think a large part of that was injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, there's injuries, of course, on both sides of the ball, but there is injuries on the defensive side of the ball and we looked fatigued. Um, coming out of the bye this year, we get a good win against the Washington Redskins at um, the Washington at the Washington Redskins, Redskins and new? the worst turf in the NFL. Um, but no,
1: I okay. I, I know you say that, but Soldier Field definitely has that title. Second worst Thank turf
2: there in the NFL, which we also Thank won at Soldier Field for the record. That's true. That's, that's, that's very true.
0: true. Continue, um, though. but we we gave up. We gave up the most points we've given up this season, and. Um, You know, you could ask the question, and I don't think it was necessarily a bad defensive performance, but it wasn't as standout as we've been, um, of course, this season, but also in previous seasons under Mike Zimmer. And so you could ask the question is, you know, are the cracks starting to emerge and can teams start beating us, um, beating us on offense? And I think the resounding answer is no, this defense is elite and we we shut down um, coming into this game what was the best, statistically the best offense in the NFL. I think uh,
1: it's difficult to gauge when we go to Washington, too. I mean, it's a tough place to play. And, you know, for some reason, I feel like Washington has our number.
2: They kind of do. They kind of do. But
1: even then, when I was watching that game, it wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, darn, like our defense is slipping or anything like that. It was just more like, This isn't like to the standard that I necessarily expect, but I I never felt like uncomfortable in that game, you know?
2: Because really what you got to look at is they had one, basically a pick six, a pick returned to the two yard line. And that takes it from 30 to 23.
1: And then they had a second pick before that, which
2: ended up being, it it did end up being a punt, but, but still you're, you're looking at. Roughly twenty-three points allowed by the defense, if you count that second pick mm-hmm. as a you know seven points off a turnover. I mean, so I
1: don't know what our average, what I don't know what our defensive average is, but twenty-three seems like maybe a touchdown more than we normally it's allow.
2: It's right around that seventeen-point yeah, yeah. average.
1: That's what I'm saying. So, like the offense, I think was playing well enough in in Washington, where we could have a little bit of leeway there. But honestly, if we can. That defense was was not to fault, I guess, for the amount of points that were scored.
2: And keep in, in mind, mind, Everson Griffin was also not playing Correct. for that.
1: Yeah. Um. That being said, we uh, we have one injury concern that has turned out pretty damn good in Anthony Harris. Yes. With Sendejo, who <laughs> who. If you've been listening to this podcast, I'm not a big Sendejo fan because he goes for the knockout hits and he doesn't wrap up properly. And, and he
2: gets suspended he for get, it. And,
1: and he gets suspended for Exactly. And then he gets injured on top of that. And Anthony Harris now, this dude. OK, so one big thing that I like in safeties, unless they're Harrison Smith, is that they're forgettable. You know, like you shouldn't. Know that a safety is like their name shouldn't be called in pass coverage and and things like that outside of
2: like you know pass breakup, exactly. They shouldn't be called for a passing tackle, exactly. Well, let me get let me ask this
0: question of you guys Who do you think led the Vikings in snap on snaps on the defensive side of the ball this week? Oh, it's Harris, 100% of the snaps. I mean, Smith, the best best safety in the NFL, Smith, he played 81% of the snaps. Well, you
1: also have to remember the last. Like three, four minutes of the game, the second second team was in. So I I saw Lemur in there. I saw Gideon playing large numbers. We just don't have the safety depth to take him out. I mean,
0: Jaron Curse was
1: in there. Yeah, exactly. Marcus Charles was in there. Yep. So we had a lot of. uh, Take it with a grain of salt, but the dude played well. He forced a turnover. I mean, he forced a turnover after not going like doing a good job on the assignment. Let's just say that. But he forced a turnover regardless.
0: Um, and he, he
1: played, he played
0: really well. He I did. Thought. He did. And let's talk about that turnover. Uh, for me, that was definitely the play of the
2: game. Yeah. That was the big momentum swing. Cause I believe it was seven, seven at that point. Um, so tie game and they get right down to the one. Suddenly the ball comes out. The stadium erupts. I, I turned to my dad and I said, we're not celebrating yet. There's no way this is getting overturned. There is no way it's our ball. Sure enough. It's a fumble, and the Vikings it was were able clear
1: fumble. It wasn't like debatable. It wasn't even close to being debatable. Um, it was really, uh, really obvious. Good scoop of the, yeah. of the ball, and uh, we're able to go forward from there.
2: At least, yeah, we were able to get a couple of first downs, flip field positions, punted away, and there you go. It it just our defense didn't really have any cracks for the rest of the game.
0: And I, I think. Um, Another player, if we talk about, you know, next man up, another player on the defense, he didn't get quite as many snaps, but I think he made his presence felt in this game was
2: Mackenzie Alexander. Absolutely. Now, one thing that you have been seeing a lot is just teams just not even throwing at roads. That's barely happening anymore. Yeah. And then they'll target Waynes and then... he's um, targetable. Well, he's, 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 he's targetable, but he has improved this year. He and,
1: has improved, but I, I just feel like he gets burned a lot. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm. This is has no bias on where he went to school, but I'm just saying, like the dude, I feel like gets burned more often than he gets burned more than anyone else on the on the defensive wh-
0: secondary. When was the last time he got burned?
1: I mean, the longest passes during this game were up against Wayne's. Very burn- Robert Woods was up against Wayne. He got like seven catches in this game. Seven catches and the longest play from scrimmage was up against Waynes. I mean, the dude, he just.
2: But was he, it a? Was he burned?
1: He was burned. Yes. That that's, he was wide open. Robert Woods wide open all the time.
2: If he was so wide open, why didn't he catch a touchdown or anything like that?
1: Did they ever get close to a touchdown? The only one time they got close to getting a touchdown was Cooper Cup against Harris, and then Harris raked the ball. Exactly. I'm just saying,
2: exactly. If if. Waynes were such a liability. I'm not saying he's a liability. He's just burnable.
1: He's just burnable. We have a good enough defense to to cover him up. But he, like, if we had... If he were a
2: Michigan cornerback, you would be giving him the benefit of the doubt. He just gets burned so
1: often. I'm just, like...
2: Okay, how about this? How about this? That first touchdown in the Washington game, that touchdown where that Redskins receiver made that catch against him, did he get burned? No,
1: no. No,
2: exactly. Not at all. Exactly.
1: But I'm just saying that he more when I watch the Vikings, I watch Trey Wayne's get burned more often than not.
2: Maybe it's just because you're looking for it and you want to trick yourself into seeing a Michigan State player play poorly. Hey, how would Wisconsin do against Michigan this past weekend?
1: How's Minnesota doing?
2: Hey, Minnesota. 39-0 Minnesota doesn't have expectations, man. Thirty-nine. No zero? expectations.
1: Northwestern.
2: Unbelievable. So uh,
0: one small tangent I wanted to make before we jump over and talk about the offensive side of the ball is I wanted to talk about these uh, roughing the passer calls this year. Um, I think we saw on both sides of the ball um, calls that wouldn't have been made in previous years. There was the Anthony Barr hit with his helmet to the chest, um, Jared Goff, and then there was kind of a play where Case Keenum got blown on and fell over and there was roughing the passer call. Um, what do you, what do you guys think about these calls? Um, the, part of the reason I want to bring it up is because um, it has extended dr- drives and key times um, for the opposition and for our defense to be successful. It's very important that we're really pressuring the quarterback.
2: So I think the first one was that refs now have it out for Anthony Barr. After that Aaron Rodgers hit, I think that does happen for players just as refs used to have it out for Andy Moss. And the second one was a makeup call. Simple as that. My opinion, feel free to disagree.
1: Yeah, I don't really have much else to say there. I thought the Anthony Barr hit from the right angle. You could justify a flag. From the ref's angle, you could justify a flag because they showed that camera angle and you can see Goff's head going back. But when you look at it at a 360 view, he's he, Goff's head goes back because he's hit so goddamn hard. But um, I can see why they threw the flag. The Case Keenum one, I agree with Quinn, I think, is a makeup.
2: up there, there was also a call where uh, Goff, um, or a no-call, rather, where Goff threw it deep, and was absolutely leveled by Eric Kendricks. In the end
1: zone?
2: Was it in the end zone? Uh, no, not not quite to the end zone. I, he got That's absolutely right. murdered. Yeah.
1: He backed up. They were, I don't know,
2: whatever. Yeah. No. But he, Goff got absolutely destroyed, and even though it looked perfectly legal, I was somewhat surprised that no flag was thrown, just based on how badly he got shellacked.
0: So the last thing I want to talk about on the defensive side of the ball is I I was pleased that our backups uh, were able to get a series at the end of the game um, because, you know, these players are going to be needed to be called upon as we move um, into the second half of the season here. Um, Players like Stephen Weatherly got 28 snaps um, and played well in Brian Robinson's absence. Um, You had players like um, Tayshon Bauer. Just got 10 snaps, but he made an impact and he got a sack. Um, Were were you happy, especially with the rotation that has happened in the defensive line with Griffin missing a game and now Robison missing a game? um, Are you happy with where our defensive line depth is?
2: Oh, you've got to be happy with that. I think the one biggest challenge they would face there is what happens if Linval Joseph goes out because the drop-off between Linval Joseph and Tom Johnson and Shamar Stefan. We have another Johnson Jaleel Johnson. Uh those three guys, they're all good spot players, but they're not quite every down starters. And Linval Joseph is the linchpin of our run defense.
1: Yeah, he's dominant.
2: Well,
0: the Vikings are six and two this year when the opponent scores first, which is really an impressive stat. Um, It definitely speaks to what we were talking about at the opening of the show, where it takes Zimmer some time to uh, read what the offense has put out there. Um, But I will say it's very impressive that uh, we have put up that statistic this year. Um, We talked a little bit about next man up on defense. Let's talk about a player that's really, really stepped up on offense, um, and that is Rashad Hill.
2: If your team went from having an offensive line, which is which was basically a tire fire last year, to allowing the fewest tied for the fewest sacks in the NFL this year, and this guy is a right tackle who at this time last year was on the Jacksonville Jaguars practice squad, I'll just say you're doing something right with what has happened on the offensive line in general. But having Rashad Hill being able to step up like that is, is just a huge success.
1: So Rashad Hill, great story. I want to give a shout-out to the center, Elfline, Ohio State <laughs> center. Let me just yeah, say that. Yeah. He has been magnificent, all right? And I, I watched him for four years, just beat up on good Michigan D-lines, and he is he's very good, and he's done an excellent job coming in as a rookie filling out all these uh, line calls, you know, doing a great job at pass pro run pl- like every every time i watch the vikings i try i watch the center now because i'm like dude this guy's going to blow someone up and he always does and it's it's amazing he does a really really good job and um hills doing a good job i think the signings were underrated remmers and uh reef, reef were i i think the vikings were blasted a little bit for um signing these guys but they they have been serviceable
2: too good. Riley Reif should be a Pro Bowl yeah. as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he's, he's given up zero sacks this and, season.
1: And now you have um, Easton, correct, starting? Correct. Uh, yeah, I believe Easton's starting, but he's starting in the right position. He's starting at a guard, and he's not, like, asked to move around every week because stupid TJ Clemmings blows, <laughs> like, I mean, the offensive line has been a very pleasant surprise this year, and especially Hill and line.
2: Can we also uh, just comment on on how we kind of all feel cheated of the Everson-Griffin versus TJ Clemmings matchup that we should have seen in Washington? Ugh, that would have been glorious.
1: Yeah, that would have been karma, karmic.
2: And I will say I was also very pleased
0: to see... um, Rashad Hill, he missed one snap in the game. Um, and who came in? Jeremiah Searles, which uh, was a guy that when he got injured over a month ago, it, it looked like it was a, ser- a really serious long-term injury, and he's back, and he's able to plug in. Um, so you really have to be happy with where our offensive line depth is right now. Um, another guy to talk about on offense is the quarterback. And No, it's not Sam Bradford. No, it's not Teddy Bridgewater. It's Case Keenum, who now... Has the second highest QBR in the NFL behind only Deshaun Watson, who's
2: out for the year? I think right now he has to be the single biggest. I know I've said this before on this podcast, but the most important um, free agent signing in the league. Because how many he was rated
1: that by ESPN? Did you read that article?
2: I have not read that article. Okay. Um, I how many so. The reason I say this is how many Packer fans do we know that just keep whining and whining and whining about how, oh, my God, these Vikings fans are blah, 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 blah. We're playing with a backup quarterback. Well, news to you, Packer fans. We are playing with a backup quarterback. Third string. Third string quarterback. Technically. Yeah. 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 You drafted this Brett Hundley guy and just thought, oh. He's going to be great, and what has he done? How many points did he put up against the Ravens? Can we
1: just say how overrated Mike McCarthy is? Yes, he he has to be one of the worst coaches in in the league, and he's been riding on the coattails of a of a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer. Like it's just it's unbelievable, but yeah, Keenum Keenum's been excellent, yeah, just unbelievably good. And uh, you know, I I did say here first that teddy would start but i didn't know we had the greatest of all time (laughs) playing on our team right now you know but i i think it's an amazing insurance policy to have teddy bridgewater as a backup right now
2: Uh, and kyle Sloter as a third string quarterback (laughs) number
1: one (laughs) um but yeah it's it's an amazing insurance policy to have someone with the with the skills that teddy does but you know, you gotta go with the hot hand. You gotta like, just like in baseball, which I hate, but um, you gotta go with the hot hitter. You know, and then Keenum is showing that he deserves to start every single week until He's he un- proves otherwise.
2: He's unbenchable at this yeah, point.
1: Exactly.
0: I mean, it's amazing how in two weeks we've essentially gone from oh, the Vikings have a full, you know, full blown quarterback controversy. Um, you know people calling for Teddy to start, and Frank frankly, I would have said going into the washington game i I would have would have thrown Teddy out there just so you see what you have, but at this point in time, I think I think the controversy is officially
2: dead
1: right that being said like i don't, he doesn 't have a very long leash. I'm just like, if he has one bad game, he's gone, but
2: he has the shortest leash of any quarterback who has won six straight games <laughs> yeah, exactly. in NFL history.
0: Exactly. And is, and among active players as leading the league in, yeah. in QBR. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: It's unbelievable. Deshaun Watson, number one.
0: <laughs> so, uh, one guy that is getting a lot of mentions around the league uh, somebody who's from, uh, is it, uh, De- Detroit lakes? Is he, was he undrafted? Yeah. Uh, Adam they Thielen. A, okay, they did a whole like feature on him mid game, like
1: in the middle of the game. They did a, oh, this is Adam Thielen. What's close to home? And they like do this like map of the U.S. <laughs> and then they zoom in on Minnesota <laughs> and then they zoom in a little more on like Mankato. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> this is the worst. But he's been. I think this receiver duo, Diggs Thielen is second only to Moss Carter in the last, you know, 20, 30 years.
2: Yep. Oh, maybe of all time for the Vikings because they've never had that that duo as receivers outside of three deep.
1: Three deep. Man, Jake Reed.
2: Jake Reed. And uh, what I do
0: love about our wide receiver core is how physical they are. And so, you know, you guys like Treadwell, you guys like Jarius Wright, Michael Floyd – um, dude, they big bo- bodies get out big, there yeah. when they get their snaps. They make their presence known in more ways than just catching the ball. They do a
1: great job at run after catch, blocking, and run blocking. Like you should, you watch. Um, I think it was a little drag route by by Wright, and he was headed up field, and Adam Thielen just takes oh, out some dudes. That dude. was awesome. Like like. These guys are not just they're not the quote unquote diva wide receivers. You know, they'll put their like if we do have a quote unquote diva on our team, it's Diggs, But he works damn hard to act like that. You know? and, and
2: here's the thing is these wide receivers have worked to be here. It's um Diggs was a fifth rounder. Thielen undrafted. Both of them have played special teams. Jarius Wright played special teams. Laquan Treadwell even was on special teams last year everyone has been in that spot where they need to earn their spot on the field mm-hmm. even LaQuan Treadwell yeah. with this disappointing career
1: thus far
2: thus far i
1: mean he did you got to remember it, while he was a high pick came in with a big injury with a foot injury and for a wide out that's kind of
2: not great not
1: great right so i'm willing to give him some more time to maybe blossom a little bit
0: so some other players. Sorry to move on. I wanted to give big ups to the tight end core. Um, Rudolph played ninety four percent of the snaps, uh, making his presence known both blocking and catching, running smart routes down the field, and also David Morgan, who I think has been a very very important addition, um, really especially as a as an you know adjunct you know member of the offensive
2: line. I think David Morgan is one of those big reasons that Riley Reif has not allowed a sack this year. What you saw him doing was getting motioned over to the left side and chipping Robert Quinn before he would engage with Riley Reif.
1: Can we can we quickly talk about? We talked about Quinn. You just talked about uh, Robert Quinn, but there's a there's an all pro, like defensive tackle in the middle Best of the, in the game. Like, I mean, he's probably, he's the front runner and, for yeah, defensive player of the like year. Aaron Donald. His name was not called I don't think until like very late in the game I feel.
0: Until he jumped off sides. So yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like I mean the dude is is he's all world everything like and our interior offensive line handled him like. on
2: the Latavius Murray touchdown um what was it? Uh Easton just pushed him back and out of the oh. hole while Latavius Murray just skirted into the end zone.
1: Unbelievable. That, that, yeah I don't want to keep beating a dead horse but the offensive line has been a uh, revelation
2: beating a dead horse is for anybody who plays the Broncos these days
1: ah. Ah. Ah.
2: well the rams coming into this game
0: were 4 and 0 on the road and 5 and 0 if you include the london game which was technically a home game for them and we shut them down so major up to your minnesota vikings coming up we have flag on the play and then shortly after we'll be looking ahead to the big Turkey Day game against division rival and
2: Motor City Kitties. You know,
0: closest rival in the in the division, Detroit Lions.
2: Welcome back, Purple Nation. It is now time for your favorite segment, Flag on the Play. And for anyone who is new to the podcast, it is something in the NFL that just happens that makes you say, What's going on? That's dumb. Or just flat out, Come on. So I would like to throw my flag on the play to anyone who contests a suspension. This is just getting old. Zeke Elliott, you did something that could have easily landed you in jail. Accept your suspension, get over it. Le'Veon Bell, you got caught smoking. Accept your suspension, get over it. More often than not, players who just accept their suspension end up serve or that, shoot, you know what I mean. You'll end up serving the same amount of time as what was given to you in the first place. Um, And now just look at it this way. If Zeke had su- accepted his suspension, they likely would have had the same amount of wins. And then the Eagles would have had to play Ezekiel Elliott at Dallas. We were robbed of a good game because Ezekiel Elliott would not accept his suspension. The NFL is your employer. Just, just, Deal with it, Nakul. What is your flag on the play?
1: Thank you for that. That was that was a good flag on the play. Um, stumbled a little bit through the middle. I of that.
2: did, I did. Normally, I can kind of get through that, but uh, yeah, just tired. not my day, I guess.
1: Yeah. My flag on the play will be for um, the Minnesota Vikings' kicking situation. Now, we have had our history of heartbreakers when it comes to our kickers going back to Gary Anderson okay Gary Anderson Blair Walsh and now we have this this kicker by the name of Kai Forbath who initially couldn't make extra points he figured that out but it's like a balloon with water in it you squeeze one side the other side gets big and you squeeze the other side of other side gets big and dude misses two field goals this game. I'm like ah like
2: hey Nicole were they long field goals? They were they were somewhat long. Field no, they, goals. they were like well like forty yards, yeah. forty yards, very makeable. Very. makeable. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah yeah. There was one like thirty eight, which is like extra point range, like three more yards than that. Um and and forty. I mean, I have a bad feeling that there's gonna be a game where where we need to win. It's going to come down to a kick. It's going to be an extra point, or it's going to be a field goal, and something bad is going to happen. I, I mean, get
2: that too. I get Viking, that too.
1: Vikings have uh, not had good luck with uh, with kickers, and hopefully, hopefully, we can figure it out. But that's my flag on the play. Let's get a kicker
0: that can be consistent in both extra points and field goal.
2: Didn't attempts. know those existed. Well,
0: it's funny that you mention you know kickers in important moments of a game because kind of remember a kicker that used to play here who kind of missed some some important kicks for us. Oh, and who does he play for?
2: Seattle. Seattle. That's... Probably,
1: probably outside the NFC North, probably most hated
0: team for me. And the
2: Saints. And the Saints,
1: and the Saints. yeah.
0: Equal. Well, yeah. yeah. I'm going to throw my flag on the play at Blair Walsh and, and Coach Carroll because <laughs> if you if you watched closely <laughs> at the game... Uh, out at Century Link Field out in Seattle. At the end of the first half, instead of kicking a field goal with no timeouts left, the Seattle, they decided to run a fake kick. I, I don't understand fake field goal. I don't understand what they were trying to do there. So instead of letting Blair Walsh kick it, they ran a fake. And then at the end of the game, down three points, first, again with seven seconds remaining, with no timeouts, they're going to try to run another outplay so they could get a couple more yards because they didn't trust Blair Walsh's leg. And then guess what? When he gets out there, he kicks it short. It was not a long field goal, and frankly, I think he's out of a job whoa, once whoa, again. So
1: I, I actually I genuinely don't know the length. I what thought was it was a
0: 50-yarder. Straight up 50. It was, like I think it was just over 50. I think just it was 50, over 50? 50. 54, I think, is what it was.
1: And I mean, this dude was hitting through... Fifty six,
0: fifty
2: seven. Yeah, back in the good old days of 2012. So my
0: flag on the play goes to Blair Walsh. Classic. Well, coming up next, we look ahead to the important tie in Detroit. A game, in fact, I would say it's the most important remaining game on our schedule. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back, Purple Nation. You're listening to Purple 3-Cap, your place for 100% biased, 100% Minnesotan discussion about our purple. I'm Carl Bates, joined, as always, by Quinn Juergens and Nicole Prajapati. Big game against the Detroit Lions out at Ford Field. A team that is historically and especially in recent history, very good on Thanksgiving Day, and a team that we have been very good at finding ways to lose against. I want to start our discussion at looking at the injury reports. We've had a couple key injuries um, in the last couple weeks that we've talked about, and uh, Quinn's going to break down if these players are close to returning to action or not.
2: Right now, everybody has fully participated in practice with three exceptions, and that's just that Brian Robinson, Mike Remmers, and Andrew Sandejo have had limited participation this week. So I'm not overly concerned with Remmers or, well, any of those three missing a game on a short week, just because we have the next man up philosophy. We had Remmers, we can throw in Hill, we've had Sandejo, we can throw in Harris, and Robison is is himself really a backup right now? So, I'm the injury report doesn't concern me all that much because we've got Griffin and Rhodes who practiced in full. Same with Mackenzie Alexander. I I hate to say it. I hate to say that it doesn't concern me, but everything points to them playing this this weekend or week.
1: Yeah, I mean I. Don't m- put much stock into injury reports regardless. Like, I feel like some of them are I- inflated. Some of them are deflated. I mean, the Patriots put everyone on their injury report. There's some teams that don't put anyone on their injury report. I mean, take it with a grain of salt. Every week it comes out. I, I mean, I w- won't be concerned unless we see a Rhodes or a Griffin out. I think... The rest of the team can handle an injury in a short week.
0: So one player mentioned there, Mike Remmers, who's been battling a concussion. And we talked about how well Rashad Hill has been playing. Do we now have, instead of a quarterback controversy, do we have a tackle controversy? Do you put Remmers back, right back out there, if he's healthy?
2: I I think you do. I think you do. I I think you need to make sure he's absolutely healthy, and I think it gives us the luxury of being able to give him an extra week or two, but I think Remmers is your guy to go with, because he had also played very, very well.
1: Yeah, I have no, yeah, you gotta play Remmers, but again, with Hill playing so well, you can make sure that he is at 100% before putting him back in the lineup.
0: Well, looking back at the last three games that we've played against the Detroit Lions, um, they're, they've, they've been really kind of odd games for us. Last year, two late comebacks from the Lions, and this year, uh, an odd 14-7 to loss. I mean, probably our worst performance of the year, I would say, because um, the other loss comes against a really good um, team in Pittsburgh.
1: Uh, um, just rewinding back to that loss, the Lions loss. I think that was the game where Dalvin Cook goes down. It was. And, uh, you know, when someone like that goes down, and he's like, at that point, he's looking to be like one of the best rookies um, in the league. And you can't really like adjust the offense on the fly at that point. Keenum starting his second game, I think. Yeah. Um, Second game. I mean... It just, I felt like it just wasn't in the cards and we still just only lost by a touchdown. Like, with everything going against us during that game, like, despite it being at home, I mean, there was a ton going against us and we only lost by a touchdown. I mean, and I, I'm encouraged by this this Thursday's game. That's all I'll say. Um, it's
2: just, it, uh, I. The, the fact is, in the first game, 11 out of the th- Fourteen points that were scored were off those two fumbles. Mm-hmm. Kai Forbath also missed a field goal, <laughs> <laughs> and just so many fluke plays happen against the Lions. Uh. I, as, as many encouraging signs as we should have, I am still nervous, and I still see us losing.
1: That that being said, that being said, if we look back one week. The Detroit Lions were in a game with maybe the second worst team in the NFL in the Chicago Bears.
0: The uh, Bears. They're bad. But they're not as bad as the Browns. They're not as bad as San Francisco. Worst. And they're not as bad San as the Giants. San Francisco
1: beat the Giants. So they're automatically not. I think the Bears are the second. I don't care what their record is. They are a trash <laughs> team. They're not a good team. They're very bad, very very bad team. And they were in a game with the Mitchell Trubisky led Bear. Like that just get it gives me a lot of confidence against the Lions. And we got to remember we're talking about the Lions, a franchise maybe more snake bitten than the Minnesota Vikings. Maybe more snake-bitten than and the Minnesota true. Vikings. It's true. They... Based, okay, if you look at the Lions this year, they have essentially been handed the NFC North. You're going up against a Rogersless Packers, a hapless Bears team, and a Minnesota Vikings team with their third-string quarterback. All, All signs point to the Lions taking the division but they still have not been able to do that. And and, and they keep stumbling. I like th- none of their wins are convincing. I have I am confident in the Minnesota Vikings on this uh Thanksgiving day. I think I think it's going to be a good game.
2: You know how many uh wins the Lions have against teams above 500 how this ma- year? How many? They have one win against teams above 500 Wait, and that was against the Vikings. <laughs> So that that's why I'm worried. That's why I'm worried. And I mean,
1: it's the Lions. That's what all I'm saying I'll counter with. It's the Lions. <laughs> We're talking about the Detroit Lions.
2: But it's the Lions, and we've lost three straight against them. So my scoring prediction is 10-9 to 9 Detroit. And that'll be a Detroit will have a safety, a touchdown with a two-pointer, against our field goal as well as a touchdown with a missed extra point and also a missed field goal to win the game mm. 10 to 9
1: interesting interesting um the lions man they're not i can't i just can't get over it you say we've lost 3 to the lions fluke game last game and the two before that was with our like super depleted team
0: that sucked, you know? Well, and Miraculous, last-second comebacks, both of them by Matt Stafford. Yeah, exactly. Who is, I think, now the NFL's current fourth-quarter king?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So, uh, that that being said, it's, it's uh, tradition here for me to pick against the Vikings. So, there we go, um, there we go. I will go ahead and pick against the Vikings. I think it's going to be a 20... Six to fifteen game. Twenty-six to fifteen game.
2: Okay. All right. How did the Vikings score?
1: It's gonna be two touchdowns. Okay. All right. Yep. Two missed extra points Ooh. and a field goal made by Kai Forbach.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: So twelve plus three would give you fifteen, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. And the Lions will somehow get twenty-six. I'm not really
2: sure. Uh, yeah, that works. That works.
0: Well, talking about the Lions' last game against the Bears, if you rewind two weeks, they really struggled to get past the Browns. The Browns.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Frankly, if this game was played on any other week in the year, I'd be looking at it and saying, easy, easy victory. I think. Me too. I think it being at Ford Field on Thanksgiving it becomes a little bit more difficult so instead of like a like a 40 to 10 win I think you know the line is going to shrink a little bit Uh, I I think this has uh, 30 to 13 written all over it for your Vikings I think it's going to be another one of those games Lions Lions put points on the board early and then uh, we just steamroll them the rest
2: of the way
1: I mean they're not a good team (laughs) they're just not
2: there you have it Well, that's your Purple Three Cap for
0: this week. Thanks again for joining us, as uh, in the future we'll have uh, many more exciting games to break down, and what is a crucial stretch for your Minnesota Vikings, not only this upcoming game against the 6-4 Detroit Lions, but then two back-to-back tough away games going to the South, going to Carolina and Atlanta, two very good football teams, we'll certainly find what our team is made of in the next coming weeks. Thanks for joining us.
2: You?